What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. It's week three of the XFL, and we're here to break it down for you like nobody does, because we're the best in the business at covering the XFL. I'm Jamie Eisenberg. That is Sportsline's own R.J. White joining us, as he always does, from the lovely state of Washington. It's Ben Gretsch, our resident XFL expert. will be joined soon, soon, I'll say that word correctly, uh, like Ben in an earlier podcast. I'm having trouble talking now. Uh, we'll be joined shortly by Emery Hunt, who is our uh, guest XFL extraordinaire. He will walk us through some DFS lineups and give you some under-the-radar picks, as he typically does. Emery joins us from The Athletic, as well as Sportsline, but... We're going to take a different look at the XFL this week. We're also going to give you a little bit of a gambling perspective. RJ is 7-1 and one on Sportsline at picking the XFL through the first two weeks. What is the secret to your success? It is identifying early on um, who the good coaches were, who the good schemes were, talent levels, that kind of thing. You know, the Mark Trestman Vipers seem to be very over overhyped when they had the highest win total in the league. Um, so I was going against them. They were road favorites twice in a row. Uh, that didn't make any sense in a league where we didn't know what was going on. You know, we didn't know the strengths of these teams. So it was just finding little angles like that. I really believed in June Jones and the PJ Walker and that offense. Um, and then playing against the quarterback injuries for the teams that were expected to be good. Are you enjoying the XFL action so far? Yeah, it was fun. It was a, a good start right away. And, um, you think that, uh, the level is going to be about what it was for AAF when it started out. And then you're pleasantly surprised when there's some, Interesting tweaks to the game, the kickoffs, the extra points, and then it just becomes a little bit more fun to watch, especially when they're scoring points early on. I'm going to make Ben and Emery argue later on in the show because Ben continues to just take in all of this XFL content and do wonderful things with it. He has now tiers and rankings on CBSSports.com, so I'm going to see if they can argue a little bit about who some of the better plays are for this week, but definitely check out Ben Gretsch's coverage of the XFL, the rankings and tiers. Uh, I found myself getting lost in it and just trying to, you know, uh, digest all of the, the different players, uh, and how you, you tiered them a little bit. I was, I was a, a little bit disappointed that my quarterback, Josh Johnson, wasn't as high, uh, but I know that the injury concern for him, he's also dealing with a thigh injury going into week three, probably factors into that. But, uh, Ben, you having fun with the, uh, ranking of the XFL guys? Yeah, I mean, I think RJ alluded to it as well. Like, we didn't really know a lot going in, so I figured after two weeks we've seen at least a something of a sample that we could try to rank these guys, their opportunity shares, their roles, and and do a little bit better than than anything we were doing in the preseason. So, 
Yeah, it's fun. It's it, it's you know it's a lot of unknowns. The the coverage isn't great, and and you gotta you gotta read between the lines a little bit. So let's look at the week three slate. We got the Houston Roughnecks six point favorites on the road at Tampa Bay, Dallas four and a half point favorites on the road at Seattle, the New York Guardians are seven and a half point underdogs at St. Louis, and the DC Defenders are seven point road favorites at the Los Angeles Wildcats. RJ, what is your best bet for the weekend? Again, RJ seven and one picking games so far through the first two weeks. Yeah, out of those, I like the Battlehawks best at seven and a half. Uh, Guardians looked awful last week on the road. They're on the road again. Uh, they have the worst yards per play in the league at 3.95 yards per play. Bottom two in completion percentage, yards per pass attempt, yards per rush attempt. Defense isn't playing well either. 5.72 yards per play is second worst in the league. I track these team stats, you know, uh, just trying to take all the data that that XFL does put in their game, their box scores, and then put it into a spreadsheet so I can look at all this stuff. And that's what I found is, you know, New York looks like the worst team in the league right now. Battlehawks started the year with back-to-back road games against two of the league's best teams and look good in both those games. Um, defense played pretty well against that great Houston offense. Third down, St. Louis offense is first in the league at 17 of 31. The defense is tied for first at 3 of 20. So they know how to get it done and that, that money down. So I expect this game is going to be something like 24-6, you you know, 27-6, and uh, Battlehawks are going to run away with it. I don't think that, that seven's out there a lot of places. I know William Hill has the line at 10. So if you're going to look at that number, I kind of like the value on L.A. going hosting the uh, D.C. Defenders cross-country at plus eight. I think that line's way too high for, for these teams. I don't think the talent uh, is that much disparate in that. Have we found out, Ben, who's going to be the quarterback for New York? Because after what happened with Matt McGloin this past weekend in week two where he was pulled after his comments – uh, who's going to be the quarterback for New York this week? I I have not seen. Uh, I I'm guessing McGloin. He kind of just came out pretty late when the game was out of hand. Uh, I would prefer to see Marquise Williams, who is kind of more of a dual threat, more exciting player, and uh, made a couple plays. Uh, you know, had a some very small sample, made a, a nice run on a fake punt earlier in the game, and was was good in the AAF last year as well and also at UNC where he started over Mitch Trubisky which was the big the big note on Twitter when he came in. So we're going to spend some time with Emery Hunt looking at some under the radar picks for DFS but we're going to spend some time with RJ now looking at some of the more expensive plays and and Ben and RJ can give you some of the guys that they like. So we'll start with the quarterback. These are prices based on DraftKings. PJ Walker no surprise the most expensive quarterback at 11,500. Cardell Jones not far behind at 10,800. Landry Jones 10,600. Jordan Tamu 10,100. Josh Johnson $9,200 and Matt McGloin $8,500. So RJ is there a quarterback from that list? that you think is just a no-brainer must-play? Could be P.J. Walker no matter the price, or could it be one of these lesser expensive guys, again, like a Josh Johnson or maybe uh, Tomu as well? Yeah, I think you hinted earlier that he's your favorite too, but I like Josh Johnson this week. Um, you know, I thought he got in a nice rhythm in the second half. Uh, these guys coming off an injury, they haven't got any practice, they haven't got any playing time. It's going to take them a little bit, so you can't expect what you see at the beginning of these games with him and Landry Jones is what you're going to see moving forward. That offense was 7-13 of on third down. It's way better than it was in week one, so I think he can stay on the field. He can extend drives and keep picking up stats for you. And that LA defense is horrendous. He's going to need to stay aggressive and keep scoring points. Um, DC's had the top D so far, but they played two home games against the worst offenses in the league. So I'm not ready to put them as like the number one best defense in this league for the whole season. I think it's just a small sample size and they got the most advantageous situation they could have. So people will shy away from him because of the injury, because of the matchup, because the, the perception of DC being so good in tournaments. I think you want to go with him because he's going to be the, the most underrated, lesser known player. I like it. He's my seasonal quarterback for XFL where I'm dominating the Ben Gretsch League 2-0 and so far. Uh, ben, <laughs> what about the quarterbacks for you? Is there somebody that stands out maybe aside from Josh Johnson? 
Yeah, I like Johnson. I think there's a few names you can look at this week. I'll take Cardell Jones on the other side of that game. I, I, I think RJ hit it on the head. LA's defense is bad, and if Johnson plays well, could very well be Jones who winds up with the better quarterback stat line. Jones has been very efficient through two games, has shown some rushing upside, has very good receivers. Uh, DeAndre Tompkins came back last week and looked good. He's been hitting Eli Rogers a ton. Uh, Rogers has been very uh, efficient on the targets he's been getting in, in kind of the intermediate and shorter range of the field. <clears throat> and then Rashad Ross, seven targets, has already 150 receiving yards on just seven targets, hasn't even played a ton yet, but has been very, very efficient as well down the field. So a lot of weapons for him, really like him in a game where I, I, I agree with RJ, LA should make this a game, and that will help both quarterbacks. Let's get some high scoring and a lot of throwing, a lot of uh, production from Josh Johnson. I got a big matchup with Chris Towers, who's also 2-0. Favorite uh, running back for this week, I'll give you the prices here. James Butler, $8,500. Cameron Artis Payne, $8,300. Matt Jones, $7,500. Donnell Pumphrey, $7,000. Jarrell Presley, $6,800. And Lance Dunbar, $6,600. Again, these are the prices for DraftKings. RJ, running backs just have not been very good. Now, last week we had some good performances. Cameron Artis Payne was the best. Matt Jones scored on a 25-yard pass. Uh, but for the most part, we have just not seen running backs producing. Is that something that may change in week three? It could. Uh, my, my favorite play the first two weeks was a, a guy that wasn't a running back. It was Nick Holly, but he was classified as a running back. And so I like sliding him in there because you get that extra receiver in there to help. They, He's in my lineup now. They, uh, yeah, I think I actually might have him in too. We'll get to that at the end. Um, but so out of those options, I'm also going a little bit cheaper than, than the top guys and going Lance Dunbar. Love how much work he gets in the passing game. He hasn't scored a touchdown yet, but he still managed 12 and 13 points on, on, on DraftKings the first two weeks. So you're getting a nice little base level of, of, um, of production because he's going to get six to seven targets every game. And Seattle has allowed three completions of 10 plus yards to running backs in the first two weeks. And they haven't really ha- had that many attempts go against them. It seems like every time they're giving up these chunk plays to running backs. So in the weather might be a little bit of a factor in Seattle this week. You know, I, I think early in the week it was projected to rain. Uh, coming now later in the week, I don't know that it's going to be that bad, but if that's the case, they're going to lean on the short passing game a little more, you know, not, and take a little bit fewer risks. So I think he gets a lot of targets. I think he's going to give you a nice base level of production where some of these other running backs could get you 20 points, could get you two points. You just don't know. Lance Dunbar in tier two for Ben Gretsch in his rankings. Uh, ben, again, what about you? Butler, Artis Payne, Matt Jones, Pumphrey, Jarrell Presley, or Dunbar as well? Who are you looking at from the running back spot? Yeah, Dunbar's definitely one. I'm looking to pay down as much as I can at running back because DraftKings has tightened up their pricing quite a bit this week, and, and the top quarterbacks are more expensive. The top receivers are going to be a little bit more expensive, and it makes it challenging. So I'm hoping that we get some some value open up at running back, potentially Larry Rose. Elijah Hood has been banged up for L.A. Um, he's very cheap. would be too cheap to, to not play at his price tag, but um, of these high-priced guys, I don't really want to pay up for the highest-priced guys. I, I, I agree that Cameron Artis Payne is, um, you know, should be priced where he is. I just don't want to pay that for him. I like Dunbar for the reasons RJ said. Very involved in the passing game. Hasn't even scored yet, but has hit double-digit points in, in both games. Donald Pumphrey would be the other one I would I would uh, point out though on this list. He looks pretty clearly ahead of Jarrell Presley at this point, but their pricing is almost identical because Presley was priced higher and seemed like potentially the lead back coming into the year, but Pumphrey has pretty much been DC's lead back, and so he's a guy that I'll definitely have some exposure to. The more exciting position to discuss is the wide receivers because these guys have actually popped, and in some cases like Cam Phillips and Nelson Spruce put up some very big numbers. Emery Hunt was all over Cam Phillips before the season started, so I drafted him in our seasonal XFL league. Phillips is the most expensive guy, 
at $11,100. Again, DraftKings pricing here. Nelson Spruce, $10,900. Am I going to say this name right? DeMorne Pearson L. Is that mm-hmm. correct? $10,100. Yep. Eli Rogers, $9,700. Rashad Ross, $9,400. And Khalil Lewis, $9,100. Ben, I'll give you the first word here on these guys. Uh, you mentioned Rashad Ross and how he's been coming on. Is he somebody that you're going to look to play this week or are you going to go maybe with one of the two stars so far in Phillips or Spruce? Yeah, I'll have some Ross for sure, especially when I play Cardell uh, Jones. But Ross is a little bit of a thinner play. He's not playing the full snap share yet, and it didn't really improve that much in week two. He wasn't even out there almost at all in, in the first quarter, then started playing more and was very productive again. I, I'm not sure why he's not playing more. He's been phenomenal anytime he's been targeted. Um, but the, the the top two guys, Phillips and Spruce, I think you kind of have to choose one or the other. It's hard to fit them both. Uh, if you want to be contrarian, you don't play either, but they're both – so clearly ahead of the field right now in terms of their production and their roles. I like Spruce just a touch more. I think he's been very good. I really like what Josh Johnson brought to that offense last week, as RJ talked about a little bit earlier. He hit Spruce down the field for a touchdown, but also was hitting hitting Spruce in the shorter area of the field. Spruce is a really talented receiver. Kept coming back to the ball when, when Johnson was breaking the pocket early in the game and just picking up those cheap catches. He's a guy that I expect to be very consistent week in and week out. And Phillips is dealing with an ankle injury. This is according to DraftKings. They have him listed as questionable, so we'll see if he's able to play to not practice on Wednesday with that injury. RJ, what about you at the wide receiver spot? Just let me run over the names again real quick. You got Cam Phillips as the most expensive guy at 11100 $11, followed by Nelson Spruce, DeMornay Pearsonell, Eli Rogers, Rashad Ross, and Khalil Lewis. Who is your favorite guy? Yeah, I'm with Ben here, uh, Nelson Spruce. I- I'm taking Johnson as my quarterback, so I'm obviously going to stack him with Spruce. Target monster in the first two games, 24 targets. Safest option on the board, I think, especially with Phillips' injury. Uh, efficiency shot up with Johnson at quarterback. His yards per catch jumped over five yards last week. I think it was 5.4 yards better. Uh, and he scored twice. You know, that having Johnson really opens up the offense, and he's the unquestioned number one guy. That DC defense got lit up a bit in week one by Austin Prohl, who, who scored two touchdowns against them, 88 yards on that, in that game too. I think that's kind of the floor for Spruce. I don't know if he scores twice, because his touchdowns can be a little hit or miss, but 88 yards seems to be like the floor for him. It's going to be interesting to see if uh, these stacks are worth it. Uh, ben, we're, we're going to spend some time talking about our, our lineups, but while we're on these wide receivers, is there is there a favorite stack? Is it Johnson Spruce for both of you? Is that kind of the way you're going to go? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a good stack. I, I'll, I'll say for tournaments, uh, which is when you're you know kind of looking at these stacks, I'll take Jones and and Ross. I mean, I, I think that's a stack that um, has a lot of upside. For, if Ross gets uh, more snaps this week and 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 more targets finally, and 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 I think he has definitely the potential for a hundred yard, two touchdown type game. How about you, Arjun? Yeah, I'm gonna go LA is my best one. I do like the D, the 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 possibility of getting a DC stat going with Phillips's injury, because um, you can get guys like DeAndre Tompkins, who's a lot cheaper than he should be on the site. We'll talk. I'll talk about him a little bit later when we get to that part of the the uh, the pod. But uh, um, yeah, I would say my top play is Spruce and uh, and Johnson. I just don't know that there's a secondary option that I'm too comfortable with in that, but definitely locking those two guys in. Are you anticipating Phillips not playing? Or just I the think fact he, that he's missing practice. I think he missed practice, and that's something you have to be worried about. I mean, if if he was okay to play, uh, he'd be limited at least. So right. at this early in the week, we're talking Thursday. I haven't seen the Thursday injury report, but Wednesday he missed practice. So we'll see how that goes. But if he's questionable going into the game, then that's going to open up targets. Okay. Is uh, and, and I'm just unfamiliar with this. Is the injury report work similar to the NFL? Are they doing some of the same 
things of you know Friday yeah. for the Sunday games, Thursday for Saturday. Right. They don't have it broken down by a, a day, day by day that I've seen, mm-hmm. but they do put out the final injury report and the final designations. The I believe it's the day before, either the day before or two days before. Okay. I kind of do a roundup on Friday and look for them all. Okay. So keep an eye out on the injuries for Phillips, for Johnson. You know, hopefully those guys are healthy because again they have the chance to put up some big numbers. This week, I'm going to take a short break right now. When we come back, Emery Hunt will be joining us, our XFL expert for The Athletic and our sports line contributor. Stay right here. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to Fantasy Football Today. We're now pleased to be joined by Emery Hunt, our XFL expert from the Athletic and Sports Line. You can follow him on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. That's F B A L L G A M E P L A N. Emery, thank you for joining us once on FFT. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's almost like it's a weekly thing. Uh, it is a weekly thing. This is week three of the XFL. You've done a great job breaking down the first two weeks. So what we've been talking about so far as you're joining us here is uh, looking at some of the more expensive players, the the top tier guys for the week three slate based on DraftKings prices. Uh, but I want to just reiterate the the games and, and maybe you could tell us uh, a play that you like because we're joined here by RJ White as well. RJ seven and one on Sportsline and picking games for the first two weeks. You got the Roughnecks at Tampa Bay. Roughnecks are six point favorites. Renegades at Seattle. Uh, Dallas is four and a half point favorites on the road. The Guardians are at St. Louis and the Battle Hawks are seven and a half point favorites at home. You got the DC Defenders seven point favorites on the road at Los Angeles. Is there a game that you like that maybe you could see one team? I don't know, covering the spread. I don't know how you, uh, how, how much you dive into gambling or not, but is there a team that you like that you think could have a big performance this week? The easy money is Houston taking on Tampa Bay because we don't know what quarterback situation will shake itself out down there in Tampa Bay, whether it's going to be uh, Quentin Flowers, who it should be, or will they go status quo with Cornelius or even Aaron Murray? If they start any one of the, the latter two, they're going to get it blown out. So if they go with Quentin Flowers, this game is going to be close. But I think they're going to go with the latter two, either one of the latter two. So expect them to get blown out by Houston. RJ, you like that line of thinking there? Um, I do. It just depends on the quarterback. When I put my picks up, I kind of lean to Tampa Bay just because I think the line's inflated. But it does come down to the, who, what quarterback is playing. Because I think the offense actually played pretty well for Tampa in week one. Uh, they just didn't reflect on the scoreboard. I believe they averaged 5.55 yards per play, second or third in the league. And it, they were just, you know, petering out in the red zone and Trestman making bad play calls. So the points will come if they're going to do that every week. They're going to be a, a high scoring offense. Um, so it just depends who's running the show. So, Emery, I, I said this uh, when we started talking about our XFL coverage for the podcast before you joined us, that I want to hear you and Ben go back and forth this week because you've been our XFL expert. Ben has been right there, but Ben is now doing his tiers and rankings of the XFL. He's going full-blown into the XFL just like you have been. So I'm going to ask you both this, uh, and RJ, you can chime in as well. But, uh, Emery, give me one skill position player who impressed you in week two. And it doesn't have to be one of the top tier guys. Maybe somebody that's a little bit under the radar. But is there somebody that stood out to you in that second week that you think is starting to come on after the first two games? I would say Jordan Tiamu, the quarterback of St. Louis. I think he's playing an efficient game. Quiet is kept. They are the D.C. defenders with the better running game. 
So St. Louis does a great job in controlling the clock. They control the tempo. They control the pace. They play great defense. Tiamo is playing excellent, efficient football. I know you had the two turnovers. One was essentially not his fault because they should have thrown a flag. And the first one, honestly, his arm got hit as he threw. So he's been playing great, better than what we saw from him at Ole Miss, considering he had three NFL options at receiver and tight end that he was throwing to, and they didn't win 10 games a year. So seeing him do well in the XFL and what he did last week and how he's keeping his offense and his team on pace, I think he's playing phenomenal football. And Tiamo is uh, $10,100 on DraftKings for their DFS slate for this week. So we'll see how he does going into this matchup for week three against the Guardians. Ben, is there an under-the-radar player that you like that impressed you in week two? Yeah, I'll go Donald Parham, the tight end for the Renegades. He might end up being their number one receiver. I mean, they used him down the field in a way that they haven't used Jeff Bidette down the field yet. Bidette's a, a big speedster, but they're using him underneath a lot. He has not seen a lot of air yards, a lot of downfield targets. Um, they haven't been using Flynn Nagel down the field. He's more of like a slot guy. The guy that they are using down the field is this big athletic tight end. They're getting him split out, and they're running him down the field. Uh, Could have had probably two touchdowns. Just got missed on one and then caught the second one, and he did score. And, and he's still pretty undervalued on DraftKings and, and in DFS. He's a guy that will be a big part of my lineup if he's healthy. Yes, he's uh, dealing with a foot injury, $5,300 on DraftKings. It's funny because in week one, Landry Jones did not play, uh, but he was their leading, uh, tied for the leading targets. He had six targets, four catches for 40 yards. He was actually available in our season-long XFL league that we're doing. I picked him up off of waivers, and I was thrilled with the production uh, like you alluded to, 11 targets, 5 catches, 76 yards, scored a touchdown. RJ, is there a guy for you that's a little bit under the radar that impressed you in Week 2? Yeah, I like DeAndre Tompkins. He's 5,700 on on uh, DraftKings. It's way too cheap for him. He missed Week 1, but he was listed as a starter going into that game uh, before he had to miss the game. And uh, and then when he came back, he led the league's best offense in targets last week. He went 6 catches, 92 yards, and a touchdown. That solidifies the role for me. I think he's a quote-unquote starter moving forward. He's going to get a high target share, but he's not being priced that way, and I don't right. think people have picked up on it yet because of his absence. In, week in, one. in my uh, DraftKings lineup as well. Um, Emery, so the running games have not been exactly successful. We finally saw some decent performances last week. Cameron Artis Payne had a strong game in week two. Matt Jones scored a touchdown. We're seeing maybe a little bit better running back production. But is there an under-the-radar running back that you're looking at in week three that could step up? The guys have already talked about Lance Dunbar and maybe what his role could be in the passing game. But is there somebody that you're looking at that you could say week three is the week for this particular rusher? I would say Larry Rose the third at Los Angeles uh, because if you're Elijah Hood, you can't keep putting the football on the ground. That's the worst thing you can do as a running back is fumble the football and not only just fumble it, but fumble it inside the red zone. He's done that twice, essentially costing the game against Dallas, in my opinion. So I think you're going to see more opportunities for Larry Rose. He has tremendous speed. He can catch the football out of the backfield. They can flex him out as a slot guy. But you put that football in his belly and he has that electric elusiveness to make guys miss, and also that home run hitting speed that we talked about. I think you're going to see him more integrated in the offense this week. Larry Rose, his first two games, only three carries each of those games, but uh, one catch as well. So if uh, if the fumbling continues for Hood, maybe we do see Rose bloom a little bit there with the bad punt. Um, RJ, is there an under-the-radar running back that you like this week going into week three? Yeah, I like Tampa's Jack Patrick, uh, 4,400. Um, you know, he showed lead back chops last week, but Tampa runs so much that the touchers are going to be there, whether he's the number one or the number two back. They had 30 carries the first week. They had 32 carries the second week. And on those carries, they're pretty efficient. They're 4.69 yards per attempt is second in the league as far as rushes go. So they run a lot, and they have the run blocking to uh, to pick up yards in that. 
And then, um, you know, Murray missed practice start the week, so I think they'll keep leaning on the running game no matter who's under quarterback in, the, in this in this matchup. Ben, give me an under the radar running back for week three that you like. Well, those are those are the two. Um, Rose, <laughs> I mentioned in the last segment, I, I'm totally on that. And Hood missed practice this week, so Rose could end up being the lead back this week. And Patrick, uh, top five in rush yards in, in the XFL right now as their number two back. Davion Smith, their number one, is is also there, but they split work more in week two than they did in week one. Uh, I'll give you one more name. I think Christian Michael now might be a little bit under the radar. He's His price has dropped a ton, uh, and he's very clearly behind Matt Jones, but he's playing enough and, and playing some in the red zone that he could end up having a decent game as kind of a contrarian pivot off of Matt Jones. I mentioned this guy last week. I'm going to mention him again, Trey Williams for Seattle. 11 carries for 45 yards. His receptions went down. He had four catches in week one, only one catch last week. But I do think that he's going to get enough work that at $5,000, you could take a look at him if you're so inclined to go a little bit cheaper at the running back position. But Trey Williams is somebody that intrigues me on top of the couple of guys that you mentioned. All right, Emery. So the wide receivers have been the stars so far of the XFL, at least from a skill position standpoint. Who's an under-the-radar wide receiver for week three that you like? Well, I, I don't have a wide receiver. I have a tight end based off what we saw last week and based off what we saw in week one and who should get the targets. And when they're having success, they get this guy to football, then they forget he exists the rest of the game. That's Jake Powell of the New York Guardians. He is outstanding. Probably their best receiver, not named Mikael McKay, on that football team that they just don't get the football to. They start early in getting him the football, and I think if they're going to continue with Matt McGlowan, they have to get him into a groove early, which means Jake Powell, their best option right now they're, that can get open quickly, uh, is one that you should definitely keep an eye on and one you should play this week. I'm pretty sure they're going to try to make Matt McGloin happy by getting him <laughs> into a groove early and throwing that football to their big tight end out of mama. What do you make of that whole situation with McGloin and what he said at halftime and how that sort of impacted the rest of the game for him? I, I mean, it's funny when he said we have to you know, take away the entire – uh, game plan, tap the entire game plan because it's not working. Like, bro, you're the reason why it's not working. <laughs> like, you're the problem. You know, so I think Marquise Williams actually fits their offense better. So we'll see if they'll make that move. But I mean, you appreciate the honesty. You just wish he would have had that discussion in the locker room without a live mic on his shoulder pads. Yeah, wait a couple minutes and things would have been better. For Powell, uh, week one against Tampa Bay, four catches on six targets for 28 yards. They went away from, like you said, last week, only one catch on one target for five yards, but $3,500 on DraftKings, always the type of play that you look at that could help you win a tournament. RJ, is there a guy for you under the weight our wide receiver or tight end that you could look at in week three? Yeah, I mentioned Tompkins earlier. He'd be the, the first one, but then also looking at Nick Holly. Yeah, I think the targets could be up with Cam Phillips hurt. Uh, he's only 4,400 on DraftKings and they've shown that they're going to get him the ball a little bit creatively too. I think he had an 11 yard rush, uh, this last game. So you're going to get more than just the regular, uh, targets that you would in an offense. And, you know, he's right there underneath and he's, he's making some plays for them. So I do think his value is, is more than what his price tag is on DraftKings right now. All right, Ben, give me a guy for you that you're looking at in week three that could be a little under the radar. I'll go Reese Horn. They went to, uh, Tampa Bay went to a lot more three wide receiver sets, which got him on the field more in week two than in week one. He actually led, uh, the receivers in routes in week two after being pretty clearly third in week one behind Dan Williams and, and Jalen Tolliver. Um, a big trend that we've seen through two weeks is the teams playing against Houston have put up a pretty, pretty solid passing numbers. Nelson Spruce had the big week one for LA, even as Josh Johnson wasn't quarterbacking last week. Uh, St. Louis was like, was how you won tournaments. Jordan Tamu and, um, DeMorne Pearsonell and the Damian Washington, that double stack was huge. And it's 
you know, it makes sense. Houston puts up big numbers and then teams have to throw against them. I think Horn is, is kind of the nuts this week as the, um, the, the cheap wide receiver option that, uh, is going up against that really explosive Houston, uh, offense and, and then Tampa Bay will have to throw to, to catch up. And Horn, uh, in week two, five catches for 51 yards on eight targets. After in week one, he had three catches for 42 yards on five targets for Nick Holly, which was RJ's guy. You get him at $4,400. Uh, did a nice job in the first two games as well. And I think you alluded to this, you know, the fact that he was able to do some things carrying the ball also one carry for 11 yards. Uh, but three catches for 41 yards on five targets in week two after he had four catches for 50 yards in week one. Uh, all right. So. Emory, you've done a nice job giving up some defenses that could perform well through the first two weeks. And here's the pricing on DraftKings. I'm going to start with the highest to lowest. You got the Roughnecks at $5,200. You got the Defenders at $4,700. The Renegades at $4,200. The Guardians, $4,000. Battle Hawks, $3,700. Dragons, $3,300. The Wildcats at $3,000. And the Vipers all the way down at $2,800. Is there a defense you think that could stand out this week? And the cheaper the better, Emory, in terms of helping us set our lineups. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm going with the Houston Roughnecks defense because all those numbers that RJ threw out there, those wonderful numbers, they happen when Quentin Flowers is in the game at quarterback. He's the reason why the run game works because you have to worry about the mobile quarterback. So those guys are seeing advantageous looks on the front side of the play, those running backs, which is why both guys are having success. Then they just take him out in the red zone, which they are not supposed to do, and that's why they can't score <laughs> points. So I think we'll see what looks to be a very good Houston defense uh, this this week because I don't expect Mark Trestman to go with the right quarterback. I think he's still going to toss out uh, Cornelius, and I think you're going to see this Houston Roughnecks defense play a little bit better because they're playing probably the worst of the three quarterbacks uh, out there in Cornelius who's still trying to find his way as a pro quarterback. Ben, you agree with that? You're going to go with the Roughnecks as well? <clears throat> I think the Battle Hawks are going to be the defense that, that get a lot of ownership. They're the only home favorite. I, I look at, you know, home team, home defenses. I, I tend to lean towards when I'm building lineups. Um, they're cheap for, for some reason. I think they might be the most talented and best defense in the league. They've been pretty darn good through two weeks considering they've went up against Dallas and Houston. Uh, now they're getting New York in their first home game, their home opener. I expect the St. Louis crowd to be very rowdy. They're excited to have a football team back. So. The Battle Hawks, I think, are, are kind of the easy option. I, I do like the Roughnecks as kind of a uh, like a, a pivot off of that, a, a way to get away from the ownership. But the Battle Hawks, I think, will be the, the defense that people are going to gravitate towards. Yeah, I'm on the Battle Hawks as well. I think their struggles so far as a product of the schedule at Dallas, at, at Houston. Most teams are going to look bad in those situations. They get to host a bad Guardians offense that's last in the league in yards per play. They're also two for 21 on third down, easily the worst in the league. And then part of the reason that St. Louis's defense hasn't quote unquote played as well as they could have is because they faced uh, the worst, the least amount of rushing attempts teams are throwing on them because you're up against Houston and Dallas. So uh, once teams running on them a little bit more, I think the defensive number is going to come in play. And I don't trust McGloin to be out there, you know, carving up that defense. And so it's going to be the it's the easy play, like like Ben said, but it's going to be my play. I just think I got to go that way with that with as, their price tag. As Emery said, part of the reason why the offense struggled is because of McGloin. So playing against McGloin, probably a smart move. All right, so Emery, we're going to give you our DFS lineups on DraftKings. You're going to get a chance to critique all of them and tell us if we're doing the right thing or maybe doing the wrong thing. So RJ, you kick us off. What's your uh, 
DraftKings lineup for week three of the XFL. All right. Uh, quarterback Josh Johnson, 9,200, uh, you know, LA against DC. Running back, I'm going Lance Dunbar, trying to get that passing game a look. Receivers will be Nelson Spruce and Khalil Lewis. I'm also getting Nick Holly from the Houston, um, cause Cam Phillips in with the ankle issue. If he doesn't get as many looks, that's going to open up targets there. DeAndre Hopkins for DC looked good in his first game after missing the first game and then the Battlehawks defense. Okay. What do you think, RJ? I mean, uh, Emery, excuse me. I like the Holly pick. Uh, he's a good guy that they can get the football in the backfield. He's a running back that can also get out there and catch. So look for him on that screen game. So I think he's going to have like a lot of success this week. There you go, RJ, your guy. Emery agrees. We always like when Emery agrees. I have Holly in my lineup as well, so I'm excited about that. All right, Ben, what do you got for your lineup here for week three? Well, my lineup is full of guys that we've talked about, some some of guys that you guys have named. But I, I did a DC-LA kind of game stack. So I went Cardell Jones, Rashad Ross, and DeAndre Tompkins from from DC. I brought Larry Rose and Nelson Spruce back from LA. So it's a, it, this lineup would be pretty dependent on that DC-LA game being the highest scoring game of the weekend. Uh, and then I added Donald Parham. I think pretty much every lineup needs to have somebody from Dallas. They throw so much. Somebody's going to catch five, six, seven balls, even though they do spread it around a little bit. And then I have the, the Battle Hawks defense. Emery, what do you think about that? I really like the Spruce selection because I watch DC's defense and, you know, yeah, they're turning the ball over and yeah, they're really locking down his receivers, but over the middle of the field and, and some of the plays that they're making, you're, you're sitting back saying, man, that, that was a lucky play. Yeah, you, you made the play, but a better team, better receiver, better quarterback makes that throw. Receiver makes that catch. Running backs make that guy miss. So I like Spruce. I think he's going to have a big day against that defense. They're getting by right now, and I think they meet up with a, a better offense uh, this week in Los Angeles. Not much difference in my lineup as well. I have Jones, Ross, and Tompkins as well going with that DC stack. I got Trey Williams at the running back positions, Bruce at one flex, Holly at the other flex, and the Battle Hawks defense. So I like to take in what you guys have said. You guys are very knowledgeable in what you're talking about with the XFL, so I've built my lineup accordingly, and hopefully it uh, it is as successful, a little bit more successful than Ben, since we're a little bit too much in, in line there. But, uh, Emery, I'm going to give you the final word here on your uh, thoughts on XFL for Week 3. Who are we going to be talking about coming out of this week as the next maybe breakout star? Wow, and every week has been one guy. So I, I like the fact that the Battle Hawks are... And, you know, everyone in St. Louis has bought in. I like what I saw last week from Pearson L. He was great at Nebraska, had those unfortunate injuries throughout his career. So I think what we saw last week wasn't an aberration. It'll be more of what we're going to see down the line. So look for him to have a big day and also to be one of the bigger names of week three. You can follow Emery Hunt on Twitter at FBallGamePlan. He does great work for The Athletic, does Fantastic work joining us here on Fantasy Football today as well as on Sportsline. RJ White, 7-1 and one through the first two weeks of picking games for the XFL. And please make sure to check out all of the XFL coverage that Ben Gretsch is providing on CBSSports.com. He has his tiers and rankings up on the site now. And you can check out all of his previews for Week 3 coming up, leading us into the weekend. Gentlemen, thank you so much for the great XFL breakdown for Week 3. Hopefully all of you listening are successful in winning some money in DFS. Thanks for listening.
When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.